What's up, Farmers? Welcome to the Farm Athletic Company podcast. I am your host, Andrea Warner. I am also the co-owner and co-founder of Farm Athletic Company. If you would like more information on us, please visit our website at www.farmathleticco.com. And now, on to today's show. What's up, Farmers? Welcome to this week's episode of the Farm Athletic Company podcast. My special guest this week is Ms. Bina Ellison. Welcome, Bina. Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, I'm super excited that you're here. It's an honor to speak with you today because I have so many things that I'm excited to share with all of our listeners. You are an absolutely amazing woman and special person, Aww. so I'm excited for everybody to get to know you. Thank you, Andrea. You're welcome. The feeling's mutual. Oh, well, hey, thank you. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> I am the one that gives you like the bad exercises, so there oh, are yeah, times well, where it's not mutual. <laughs> I'm blaming on the exercises, not the person. (laughs) (laughs) So let's start with, first of all, let's introduce who you are. Yeah. So let's talk about past careers, present careers, and then we'll go from there. So let's tell the world who you are. Okay. So career-wise, I studied to be an attorney and passed the bar exam and studied or practiced law. For about five years, I worked at a nonprofit in Seattle, um, working with refugees and helping them get asylum status. Um, So people fleeing torture in their home countries. Um, And I loved my work. I loved my clients and colleagues. Um, But I got burned out really quickly, um, Mm -hmm. working with trauma. And also being so young, I was um, straight out of, went straight from high school to college to law school. And you know, didn't do a lot of my own personal work, wasn't really connected to my story. And um, yeah, being in a in an organization with limited resources and unlimited needs in the community mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. really took its toll on me. And then my husband and I wanted to have children and were having trouble getting pregnant and thought maybe it was the stresses of the job. So I took a break um, and started working for a friend's company, just doing bookkeeping. Um, which was something I just <laughs> kind of learned. That it's does not, not seem like not, you at all. Yes, it did not give me life. It <laughs> no. was not very um, ex- exciting or interesting to me, um, except for the interpersonal part, the HR kind of components of it I enjoyed. But um, so, yeah. And then I started working for my husband's company, my his parents' company, um, doing similar work, bookkeeping, HR sort of things. Um, and... Then decided, am I going to dip my toes back into seeing if law is something I want to do? So I started working for the State Bar Association, um, doing more kind of um, work that was maybe a little less interesting to me, but then um, connected with their uh, social justice programs and really soon found myself in in that area of the program. But then also just noticed... I, there's a lot about the field of law that didn't attract, I wasn't attracted to. And, um, I was also doing my own therapy Mm -hmm. and realizing, gosh, I could see myself wanting to be a therapist. So went back to school later in life and, uh, I studied to be a therapist and got licensed in Washington state. And then we moved here to Florida. Um, so yeah, it's been quite a journey and now I'm in my about a year and a half into private practice. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Well, congratulations. That is 
an unbelievable journey. Yeah. To go from law to therapy is quite a road. That, that's There's quite a turn. There's a lot of parallels, actually. The things I loved about practicing law was um, help being an advocate for people, standing mm -hmm. up for people who um, had systems working against them. And I loved helping people tell their stories and you know, oftentimes in that kind of work, I was, I'd be the first person that someone had told a traumatic story to, and it's in less than ideal circumstances, right? They're, yeah. they're facing deportation. So, um, but now I get to do that work in a way that's more gentle and honors people's agency in telling their stories. Um, we can go at a pace that's, um, that's more healing than it is traumatizing. So and that's yeah. fantastic. Mm -hmm. Speaking of, continuing on your journey. So you guys moved to Florida. Yep. And Christian walks into our gym last summer. Yeah. And I have a consultation with him. He's looking to join. And he ends up signing up and he's been training with Sherry. Yeah. <laughs> and during his time of training with Sherry, he kept telling me, I would love for my wife to come train with you. I would love for her to meet you, so on and so forth. There needs to be a right time. And I was like, okay. It's like just whenever she's ready, our big thing is meeting people where they're at. Yeah. Right? Whether that's, you know, it's literally, figuratively, our thing is meeting. So it doesn't do any good for us to force people to do things as far as gym, health, any of that is concerned. So I was like, well, whenever Bina is ready, like, you know how to get a hold of me. <laughs> you know where we live. So... Eventually, we get to the point to where I get to meet you. Yeah. And meeting you where you were at happened to be at a Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm from Seattle, you know. <laughs> yeah. Starbucks. At the is wrong the thing. Starbucks, right? I at went the to wrong the wrong Starbucks. Starbucks. We did. We were at two different Starbucks. Yeah. And I was like, where are you? And you were yeah. like, I'm at this Starbucks. I was like, well, I'm at that Starbucks. So drove to the Starbucks that you yeah. were at. Yeah. And you literally met me where I was literally at, yeah. met you where you were at. <laughs> and we discussed getting you started here. Yeah. So part of what I'd like to tell about your story before we get into other things yeah. is exercising is not easy for everyone. No, it's not easy to just walk into a gym and sign up. Yeah. First of all, it's not easy for people to admit they need help. Yeah. That's a big one. That's right. We all fight asking another human being for help. It's we a vulnerable will, thing. It's a very vulnerable yeah. thing. We will do it ourselves. We will sign up for things online. We will follow blind advice from somebody we've never met. Yep. But all that. <laughs> but as far as taking the time to actually walk into somewhere and build a relationship and ask for help is a big step. Yeah. So... I would like for you to talk just a little bit about your journey to here. Yeah. Because that's that's how I know you. You are one of my clients. You are one of our clients' wives. Mm -hmm. So I would like for you to explain just how difficult it is to take that first step. Yeah. Yes. Well, first of all, I have always struggled with exercise and athletics and feeling coordinated um, it's one of the areas of my life where I feel the less, least confident. Um, 
you know, I was a kid in PE class. I mean, PE was my worst subject. I mean, give me, <laughs> <laughs> give me any academic subject. Why would I, I want to go school, to a gym? <laughs> PE, oh, I struggled. I would be the one who would, you know, we're supposed to run a mile and I would just walk it or I wouldn't try or I'd get picked last on for teams and um, things, you know, and I had friends. I just was, I just wasn't very good at sports and and it was a belief that I thought I wasn't good at sports and so I didn't I didn't try and I actually had a PE teacher when I was in I don't know I want to say maybe second grade or something tell me that um that my because I wasn't trying that was going to impact me in adulthood as I as I grew up and it's it's interesting the things that you remember Mm -hmm. but in some ways it was prophetic that it was true it did impact me as an adult but it was also like I I wish I had somebody to come alongside me to show me how to do things to help me to feel and in a lot of ways I feel like you are you are like that person I wish I had known you when I was in second grade So, uh, we would have been best friends. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, so I kind of grew up feeling like I just wasn't never going to be good at sports or, you know, exercise. I, I knew I needed to do it, but I didn't like it at all. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, fast forward to us being here in Florida, um, Christian got connected to this gym through some friends and um, colleagues and who came here. And mm-hmm. Ted and Wendy, they're awesome. Um, and I started noticing the changes in him. I mean, he is definitely a more athletic person than I am, always has been, is definitely more in that body doing space than I'm more in that heart space. Um, but he, yeah, I was noticing the changes in him and it wasn't just on the outside. It was also, he was, he, I mean, you could tell he was happier, more confident. Um, but I've known him for, it'll be 30 years next year. We've been married for 20 years, and I've never seen him in this kind of shape um, since he started coming to your gym. So that got my curiosity going. I was like, what are they doing? What kind of magic are they doing over there? (laughs) What do they do at that place? And, you know, part of that is um, a big part of that conversation between him and Sherry helped him to reverse diabetes. I mean, that alone, besides the aesthetics when we're talking about overall health yes. and long-term longevity, holy cow, that's a huge change. Huge. Yes. And Christian is, he, he, he does the impossible. I have just, that's something that's true of him that I've noticed about him in various um, circumstances. And this, that feels reversing diabetes and how quickly he did it. And it, um, it's just a lot about his personality and his strengths, but he also found the right people who were, who had the knowledge and, um, were able to help guide him through that process. And um, so I was curious, curious, but still scared. I mean, I'd right. seen the pictures of your gym and I, you guys right. looked like you were really strong and very intense into working out. And I thought, I don't know if I fit there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Christian's very persuasive and he is. set us up. <laughs> and, you know, he always, he would tell me, he was like, in, the, in that time we were working on building our new space and he was very upfront and honest. He goes, she will never step foot in this gym. Yeah. Which was our old space. Yeah. It was a very intimidating sort of space. I mean, when you walked in the front door, it was basically like barbells right in your face, metal, concrete. It was yeah, a cave, cold it looked like um, weight training from, from yes. school, which it, was it scary did. to me. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so it was not exactly the most welcoming 
mm-hmm. of spaces. And so the the time presented itself for us to meet. Yeah. We were getting closer to opening this space. And we actually, you and I had an amazing conversation at Starbucks. Yeah. Where it was just tell me. Yeah. Tell me where we are. Yep. In your life. It doesn't it doesn't do coach or client any good to feel like we're dragging someone along. Yeah. So when we say meeting people where we are, it's like, hey, just tell me where we're starting. Tell me how you feel. Tell me what you would like to feel. Tell me where you would like to go. Tell me what your hesitations are. It's just, it's a very open, almost like a therapy session. Yeah. A little bit. Yes. There were tears. There were tears. There were tears. There yes. were absolutely tears. Um, I, I know. I remember, well, my first impression when you walked in, I was like, she looks like she could be in a fitness magazine. <laughs> She's ripped and just, yeah, gorgeous and all of that. And so that was intimidating. But when you sat down and talked to me, um, there is a vulnerability about you that mm-hmm. made me feel safer. Um, you were very open with sharing from your own story and how you got here. Um, you were very gentle with me. And I, I, I mean, I was vulnerable too. I told you how I was afraid to do this. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, a lot of my fears I told you about. And, um, and, and it, again, it's an area where I lack a lot of confidence. And so, and I told you all of that. And you were really a, a, attentive, attuned, um, and reassuring like the we could be okay and that I could start right where I'm at um and so I did feel safe and that you know encouraged me to take the next step and Christian encouraged me as well (laughs) (laughs) and you've gone from that intimidation and scared now you're here three days a week yeah which is unbelievable it feels good yeah which leads me into the really exciting part, besides the exciting part that you're here. Yeah. <laughs> the exciting part of our conversation today, which has, you and I have some amazing conversations during yeah, our training sessions. And those conversations is actually what sparked me to ask you to be on our show. Because mental health is a big part of what everybody's realizing is missing in health and fitness. Yeah. And has been for a long time. And you're talking about being a big proponent of um, Enneagram yep. and mind, body, heart. Yep. And for the longest time, we could look at the fitness industry for the longest time as just being body. Yeah, It's a very body-oriented, you come in, you do your squats, you ride your bike, you do your burpees, you go running, you blah, 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 blah. You do your jumping jacks and that's working out. And everybody pushes super, super hard. There's also a heart component. Mm -hmm. There is also a mind component. Yes. And all three of them have to live in harmony with each other. And they all three have to communicate. And when you start to understand each of those and the role that they play within your life, you start to become more aware. And our big thing is awareness. Yes. Like if you're not aware of how you act, how you treat others, what you do to yourself, it's really hard for you to make positive changes that are going to be able to keep you healthy long-term, right? So a big, I've been a huge proponent of 
um, positive thought, mm -hmm. perspective, open mind, growth mindset. I've been a huge proponent of that since college because playing golf collegiately and then professionally, golf is 99% mental. Yeah. And that. the way that you view everything on the golf course dictates how you play the sport. Like when you watch golf on TV, every person that's out there playing professionally can hit a golf ball. Yeah. There's not one person that cannot or they wouldn't be there. The difference between what makes the best the best and those that don't make it there is usually mental. Yeah. It's usually mindset and how they view their game, right? So the same thing can be said for our daily health, the way we view our daily lives, going to work, working out, how we treat people, when you come into the gym, so on and so forth. So there has to be mental practice, there has to be heart practice, there has to be body practice. Yes, absolutely. So to speak, mm -hmm. right? So one of the things that you and I had a, an amazing conversation about is the way that we think about ourselves yeah. and the way that we perceive ourselves, our self-talk has a lot to do with our actions yes, and what we believe that we need in our life. And if we want to talk about that from a working out point of view is if you have poor self-talk, and when you look in the mirror, you're not happy with what you see. And you have a tendency to say, you need to do this. I don't like this. I don't like this. It translates into you going to the gym and believing that you need to beat the crap out of yourself. Yeah. And that's a very unhealthy relationship. Yeah. Right? And I don't think people give that enough attention. Yeah. I mean, we tend to favor one or two of those areas of heart, mind, body. And um, I, I think that that especially is something that I'm learning as I am getting older is that the beating ourselves up doesn't work. It is, it's actually grace, which is something that I think I knew with my head and knew with my heart relationally when it comes to how I treat other people or how even how I've been loved by other people. But it, the body has been one of the, the most difficult frontiers for me to apply that to. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I started to, in therapy, I started to realize some of the, the scripts in my head, the negative self-talk, um, the ways that I shame my body or beat myself up because of the way that I look or the things that I can't do with my body or um, any number of things. And that's not a motivator. Research shows that um, self-compassion reduces anxiety and depression. And that, I mean, you can't argue with that. Right. Um, and so that, that for me was a turning point because I could see that it wasn't just like, oh yeah, I know it's not good to beat yourself up. It was actually, this is the thing that's getting in the way of transformation for me. And yeah. I have seen, I've seen the difference that it has made um, when I am paying attention to the negative script in my head and I'm trying to change things, even, even like little baby steps. When we, even today, when we were working out, you know, you noticed me saying something that was kind of negative towards myself in my yeah. movement. And we worked together to reframe that a little bit. And I'm, I'm learning how to do that 
um, I, I mean, I'm not perfect at it, as you could see right. from this morning, <laughs> but um, I'm learning how to do that. And it's making a difference in my life. Yeah. And it's something as simple as what you said during your workout today was, I'm going to start with my bad leg. And I'm like, you don't have a bad leg. (laughs) I'm like, you just have one that we're working on. Yes. Right? And, you know, people fall into that narrative of I have a bad leg or I have bad knees or I have. We have limiting self-talk. Yeah. And when we have limiting self-talk, we literally kind of figuratively talk ourselves into a box. And then we start living within the borders of that box. Right. And pretty soon, that mental health picture that we're all talking about and is becoming more aware, that box starts to get smaller and smaller. Yeah. Before we feel like there's not an escape yeah. from the box. And when really, we're not limited. Yeah. We are never stuck. We just have to realize that. And for some people, I know that that's, it's easier said than done. And one of the big things that people need to be aware of is that that when you're, when you're feeling stuck, that there's help. Yeah. Right. And that's where walking in the door or reaching out and asking for help and actually putting action towards that help can be life changing. And it can actually, it can get you out of the box and get you into this whole other world that's like, holy crap, I didn't know that such a huge space existed for me to be able to live. It will literally change the way that you view everything Yeah. from not just working out, but the way you get out of bed in the morning, the way you see your job, the way your relationship is with your spouse or your yeah. kids or it, it, all of it. Yeah, and I am I am also my a caveat I want to say in this conversation is I'm not one who just believes in positive thinking, just positive just be positive. I am one who I'm learning how to notice why where where is this script coming from? Whose voice is it? Is it really my voice? Where does it show up in my story? And as we tend to our stories and um, I mean that's that heart space, right? But and and that's one of the areas that's that is important as far as who we are as human beings and what motivates us and drives us. But um but we got to look at what's deeper too, right? Mm-hmm. Like if we just um, walk around and say, I'm going to slap a smile on my face, but actually there's a lot that's happening internally and I'm just going to shove all of that down. That's not really going to solve anything either. No. Um, yeah. And you know that, that shoving things down, if you're a body type, yeah, yeah, <laughs> equates to beating the crap out of yourself in the gym. That's right. And feeling like you need to work out two, three, four hours that that's your way of emotionally handling your stress. And, and I, and I relate it to the gym because it's the world that I'm in every single day. It's the world that us as a team is in every single day. And we hear it a lot like, Hey, I come here to lower my stress. And it's while, while exercise, yes, is part of stress relief. There's other facets of stress relief that have to be addressed as well. Yeah. You don't just beat the crap out of yourself right. to relieve your stress. Right. That's not how this works. I, I would like to say that that's how it works because, holy crap, I could run an entire marketing scheme on, <laughs> yeah. hey, are you super stressed out? Come here and beat the tar out of yourself. We'll take care of that. Yeah. And 
but it's not it's not that simple some of us are more comfortable in that space too yeah of beating ourselves up feel feels more familiar either because you know we're used to being beaten up by other people um that's mm -hmm. part of our story or maybe it gives us a sense of control but um but there is there's a better way there's a yeah. better way that's actually going to lead to more healing um and one of that was interesting to discover with you is how um that shows up in your work and how it shows up in my work we were talking about um you were talking telling me that some people think that they have to go to the gym and just beat themselves up and that's how they make progress and i was saying you know that's that's kind of true in therapy too right like we have to balance um you you have to create enough safety and enough compassion um, and enough stress. Both of those things have to be online for growth. And stress meaning like we do hard things in therapy. We go to hard places in therapy, but we really work on safety and self-compassion. There's a container there. Yeah. Um, and it's that your work sounds similar as well. Yes, absolutely. Because there's a, there's a fine line between um, a positive induce stress yeah. and a negative induce stress because eventually in fitness training you get to the point of zero return yeah like you actually are the further you go into it you're actually getting a negative return on your effort than you are a positive yeah so you have to work harder yes yes yep so what we we call it minimum effective dose mm -hmm. i want to do just enough to see the positive return. Yeah. Because if I go into maximum dose, now I'm actually risking injury. Yes. Tearing apart muscle tissue, increasing cortisol levels. So there is a fine line. Yes. Because the human body is breakable. Yes. In many ways. And a lot of people walk around in this world feeling like they are invincible, that nothing's ever gonna happen to them, that they're unbreakable. I'm not going to be the one who gets cancer. I'm not going to be the one who has mental illness. I'm not going to be the one until one day you wake up and you, and it's you. Yeah. And then suddenly you're like, oh shit. Yeah. I did all the things. Yeah. Yeah. And now what do I do? Yeah. Now it's me. Yeah. Now I'm the one that has to hear the bad news of you're going to be put on medication or you need to go speak with a therapist or because people have this mentality that they are mentally tough. Yeah. So therefore they don't need help. And what that is, is just disconnected, right? Like yeah. well, I'm, I'm just disconnecting from my heart. I'm disconnecting from my, my story. Um, it's, it, and it masks itself as toughness. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're um, stressing, overstressing the body leads to injury and in therapy, um, going too fast, too soon, too deep, too soon, um, leads to re-traumatization. That's not, doesn't lead towards healing. But if you do it slowly, if you do it in relationship, which actually seems to be also part of your model too, <laughs> yes. um, that it can be actually healing. And I mean, even going back to that example of the PE instructor, how different would my experience have been as if I as a little girl had someone to come down to my level, to kneel down beside me and say, um, I'll do this with you. Let me show you how, yeah. I mean, like literally what you do with me and when we're training. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Cause it doesn't, it doesn't do any good to point at someone and say, Hey, do this. Yeah. But you don't explain why. Yeah. And that's one of our big things as a team is 
we want to explain the why. Like, why are we doing what we're doing? Yeah. Like, there are times where workout sessions might look more like a therapy conversation. Yeah. Because a big part of what our health and wellness is, is stress, diet, and sleep. And those three factors are three of the really small things in our life that are 100% within our control. Like very few other things in our life are 100% within our control. Yeah. Like we can't control who walks in the door. We can't control who calls us. We can't control traffic. We can't control, but our sleep, our diet, and our stress are three things that if we're aware of them, we can control them. To some extent, yes. To some extent, <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and you know, the picture of overall health that you and I discuss yeah. a lot, um, and you've mentioned it a couple of times in this conversation now, is our stories. Yeah. We each have our own. Mm-hmm. Nobody goes through life without a story. And we each have some sort of trauma that we've experienced in our life. Yes. And the one that we all have in common is just 2020. So we'll just put like... Yeah, that's <laughs> that right. Entire the pandemic, a global pandemic. Yes. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. 2020 was traumatic to all of us. Yes. But trauma affects that self-talk. Yeah. It affects our heart. Now, and when you and I talk about our heart... I'm not talking about like the way it pumps. No. <laughs> yeah, not the physical heart, right? We're not talking about emotions. Yes. The land of story and emotions and um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is where empathy comes from, yes. sympathy, so on and so forth. Like our ability to relate right. comes from our heart. So this trauma that we've all experienced at some point in our life, and it, it might not be something major, like you watched someone die. Right. It could be something as small as being told in second grade that this is going to affect you the rest of your life. Yes. Trauma, uh, I describe trauma as experiences of overwhelm that don't get processed properly through our systems. And again, thinking of systems as mind, heart, body, and um, spirit, spiritual, um, those, those elements, like when we experience something. So for instance, one thing that might not be traumatic for me might be traumatic for you, depending on, um, did you experience that alone? Um, did you have, did you have a place to process that? Did you have, um, did you have resources around you? Um, those kinds of, um, Supplemental resources can reduce the impact of, um, of, of overwhelm in the system, right? It can make something less overwhelming. Um, but yeah, there is shock trauma, which is the, are the things that you were just describing, like watching someone die or having being assaulted, things like that. But I think what we often don't talk about in our society, what about relational trauma? What about um, kids who grow up with uh, abuse or neglect or not even what we would think of as abuse or neglect, but like for whatever reasons, a lot of times it's system failures. Like for, for me, I'm a child of immigrants. My parents came here with very little. They worked all the time. I, you know, I, we had babysitters when we were younger who weren't, um, you know, necessarily attentive. And so it felt like we were on our own a lot. And I, I feel like my nervous system got wired in a way that it was a lot more sensitive. So now I do have more anxieties and fears that I'm working 
um, working on. Mm -hmm. And that has been a source of shame in my life. Um, but now as I am realizing like, oh, that's actually has to do with story that has to do with how our um, nervous systems get wired and some of that it was outside of my control that's yeah. not I didn't do anything wrong to be the way that I am right now and I can resource myself now I do have access to different resources I didn't have as a child absolutely and you know the way that we the way that we are as adults and the way that we react to certain situations because you know you have you have a choice you can either respond or you can react yeah. right Respond, when you respond to something, it means you've taken your time, you've thought through it, and I am going to give you a response. Yeah. React is very much in the moment. Yeah. Somebody says something to me, bam, I either snap, I flip out, or my response is, we have two different ways that we act based off of what happens to us. Right. And a lot of times that response, that automatic feeling is something that actually can stem from something that happened to us when we were younger. Yeah. And, you know, um, for me, I think about being in school yeah. and being in a situation where I was being picked on yeah. over and over and over again and the way that it made me feel. Yeah. And to this day, any time that I feel like I am in that similar situation, whether I am or not, but to me yes. it feels that way. Yes. I will automatically respond in a way that's very protective. Right. And if I see something happening where I feel that someone else might be in that same situation, yes. I automatically come in and I'm like, stop. Yes. And it's just, it's a reaction and it just naturally happens, but it's because of the way my body felt yes. during that time. And it's amazing how in that moment you can automatically revert back yeah. To what felt like a traumatic experience at that time. Your nervous system is so brilliant that it's, it's recording all of your experiences and becoming more efficient as it's seeing if you're stepping into situations that feel familiar. Your nervous system is saying, hey, we've been down this path before and we've learned how to efficiently mobilize against the threat that's coming at us. And so in that space, in, in the brainstem space, that is the place where we we react automatically because time is of the essence. Mm -hmm. um, but we're often disconnected from our heart and kind of um, the, the part of our brain that can tell the difference between the past and the present. And so we are acting out of our past. And so the work is learning how to bring ourselves First of all, connecting to our stories, understanding where that comes from, and then learning how to, 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 to use various tools to regulate ourselves in the present moment so that we can actually bring the other parts of our brain online to help us figure out, okay, is this the same situation? Am I really in danger here? Um, or is this something that looks familiar but isn't exactly the same thing? Right. And going through a healing process of you know bringing this awareness online of um mind heart and body connecting it all together bringing that awareness and that healing it takes a lot of time yeah it takes a lot of vulnerability that a lot of people are very hesitant to do yeah. at asking for help but it's it's similar to going through a health journey yes <laughs> wanting to change your health wanting to lose weight, wanting to get stronger, yes. whatever that health journey is, 
it takes time. Yeah. You know, it's like we, we have people that walk in all the time that are like, hey, I'm here. I'm ready to go. I expect changes in a week. Yeah. I expect for my back not to hurt by Friday. Yeah. It's like, well, that's great. Your back's been bothering you for eight years. Yes. <laughs> You're giving me one week. Yeah. Like, I'd like to think that I'm a miracle worker, but at the same time. <laughs> Healing takes time. It takes time. Yes. It takes us time physically. It takes us time emotionally. It takes us time mentally. Yeah. So when you start on this journey of whatever healing process you need to be on. Yeah. It's going to take you some time. That's right. And it's not a short process. Yeah, there's no magic pill. You know, and everybody's time frame is different. Yeah. You know, you might have someone who feels really good in a month. You might have someone who needs a year, two years. Yeah. Three years. You know, it's it depends on how deep the trauma. Yeah. Depends on, for us, it depends on how bad the past is, like injuries. Yeah. So on and so forth. But we go through, one of the big things that we've um, changed about our model is the communication aspect. It's more than just, hey, you want to come in and join the gym? Cool. We're going to go through these sessions. We're going to get you started. Just like you and I ex experienced yeah. Like, okay. So what's happening today? Uh, today I feel super achy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, let's have a conversation about what could be causing us to feel more achy than other days. Yeah. And there's a lot more communication that happens because that's a lot bigger picture of health. Yeah. It's definitely a game changer to walk into a gym and to, I mean, the way you did the assessment and then you figured out, like, I mean, I've talked, I've, I've told you that you wrote, remind me of Mr. Miyagi from the Karate Kid. <laughs> like we're doing wax on, wax off, and then it's leading to like these massive gains or things that I didn't know that I could do. And I am seeing that happen unfold. Like we're doing small movements or things that don't feel like they're so scary or too hard right. um, and building up. I mean, cause today there were some hard things that we were doing, yes. <laughs> but, um, but then noticing the gains, well, it, it is a little bit easier to walk around. It is a little bit easier to get off the floor. It yeah. is. A, I mean, I'm noticing differences in movement, but it's like very, um, it's very uh, architected. You're 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 like looking at what isn't working or what where I'm struggling and focusing on those small movements that are building something bigger. Yeah, and then you do the exact same thing yeah. on the mind side. Yeah. Yes. Right. We look at um, you know a lot of times clients. We usually clients come in because something in their life isn't feeling good or working very well, whether it's something like panic attacks or they're having relationship issues. Um, and so, yeah, we do some assessment and, um, and we talk about story, not, not necessarily in a scary way, but um, I always tell my clients that they have the gas and the brakes and we never have to talk about anything that they don't want to talk about. Um, and, but interestingly enough, having that container of safety and, and that they have agency, they're actually more interested and willing to do the work to go to those deeper places. Yeah. And you know, when the stress level of the, of the current world is like off the charts. Yeah. And it started in 2020. Yeah. 
Well, it started at the beginning it, of time. But it did. Yes. It totally did. It's been evolving for a while. Yes. Let's just say it really started with social media. Yeah. Well, let's start there. That was a big one, yes. That was a big one. Um, but we are, we as a society are, are like turned on, so to speak, all the time. Yes. We're always connected. And now people that are working from home, what the pandemic really shifted into is like, oh, hey, I've figured out that I can get my employees to work at home. Yeah. So what used to be a nine to five, you come in, you do your work, you go home, everything shuts off is now like an all the time. Yeah. Your phone's connected, your computer's connected, like everything is always connected. We're never getting a regulated downtime. Yeah. And now everybody feels like, well, if I have a problem, I need to be able to contact someone right away, file my complaint, get it yeah. addressed. Like, we're now becoming accustomed to complaining. Yeah, instant gratification, yeah. Instant gratification. And I'm unhappy, I want somebody to make me happy. Yeah. Like, if we could become more self-aware. Yeah. And take more responsibility for not only just our actions, but our feelings. Yeah. And our thoughts. And yeah. see how that projects out into the world. Yeah. Because a lot of the problems that we have are projections. That's right. Of our own self. Yes. And until people become very aware of that, everybody's just walking around feeling miserable. Yeah. And that it's everybody else's fault. When really, if we could just take a step back, deregulate for a second. Yeah. Realize what we need to do to understand how to regulate our stress yeah. in a way that is not adding additional stress. Right. Right. It's so it's so interesting. Even you were using the word we're we're so connected now. We're connected te to technology, but we are so disconnected from ourselves, from yes. relationship. From I mean, we're so distracted. We we keep ourselves so busy, so it keeps us um, those areas of, of what it is to be human, mind, body, heart, spirit, those are so disconnected in us mm -hmm. um, through things like technology, so uh, social media. And I'm not saying that those are bad things. There's good things about them, but we can use them in ways that numb, numb us um, to what's happening in all of those spheres. Yeah. Yeah. And I wholeheartedly believe that it's changed the way that we treat each other. Yeah, absolutely. Right. There's and like an entitlement and a boldness that comes from hiding behind a screen or mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. absolutely and trying to get people to understand that the connection of people yeah is really important to our overall health absolutely and it goes more than just being a part of a community yeah you know we're all a part of a community in some way yeah what i'm talking about as far as connection is concerned is sitting and listening and hearing yeah and like having a little bit of empathy yeah and understanding where other people are coming from and what they're saying as opposed to just walking around with my strong opinion of how everything should go yeah and then finding a whole bunch of other people that also have that same very strong opinion and then we all hang out and drink beer together yeah. <laughs> right? Yes, right. Our little club, our insular club of everything, everyone who believes everything that I believe and thinks the way that I think. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. And while those people can be your friends, yeah. that can actually make us disconnected yeah. from the real world. Yeah. And how things should and how we should treat each other. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we learn from difference, right? Like I, I'm learning so much from you who is a lot more connected to your body than I am. Um, and I'm very grateful to have your perspective in my life. Um, yeah, but we kind of stay in our lanes and, um, and when you're talking about listening to other people, I mean, I think that's true for ourselves as well, right? Like Mm -hmm. how many of us actually slow down and listen to what's happening in our hearts, what our stories are trying to tell us. Um, that's part of like, it, it maybe is the starting point for empathy, right? Like a lot of times we have an easier time being empathic towards other people, but, um, but are we empathic towards ourselves? Is, is that even a thing? Mm, very good point. It's a very good point. I mean, and if you think about, um, if you think about this from like an aging point of view, mm-hmm. right? And because we're, we're all aging every minute of every day. Mm-hmm. And by the way, aging is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> aging, aging is not easy. That's what my aches and pains are telling me. <laughs> <laughs> and how many times has someone, as they're getting older, sat down and been like, holy crap, what's happening to me? Yeah. Like, for no reason. Maybe this is more of a female thing. I don't know. Mm. You just sit down and, like, all of a sudden you just bust into tears. Mm, yeah. Or you just feel extremely overwhelmed, like the whole world yes. is coming down on you. Or you find yourself in traffic swearing at everyone around you. There, That's another yes. way of showing, this showing up. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of it is because we've we've gone through life for so many years number one neglecting yeah the things that happened to us that like we've said are very traumatic yeah we we neglect them we ignore them we act like it would be an inconvenience to address them yes i would be inconveniencing somebody else to address my poor pity party woe is me yeah story um but we become naturally very hard on ourselves yeah. until we get to a point to where we're sitting on the back porch and a song comes on and all of a sudden you are just bawling your eyes out for no apparent reason. Yeah. But it's because it all builds up. Right. And you can think of it like you're walking around with um, like one of those plastic soda bottles inside your gut. <laughs> and, yes. then you, and then you drop a Mentos in it. <laughs> oh boy, look out, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, you know, the the two liter bottle of soda can hold a whole lot of stuff. And it's funny how just like the one little Mentos yes. can make it explode. Powerful. And that's what happens to us throughout our life. And it's really ignoring the entire picture of what it means to be healthy. Yes. And we've gotten to this point because nobody's educating people on things like mental health. Yeah physical health, nutrition, sleep, diet, stress, like nobody's educating anybody on this. Yes. We just keep telling people, just go to the doctor and get medication. Yeah. Go to the doctor and get a shot. Go here and have surgery. Like everybody's pushing a quick fix because it makes money. Yeah. And money, that making money has turned people into... Um, people who don't care. Yeah. I don't want to take the time to educate. I don't want to take the time to show you empathy because this shot over here will take care of that. The quick fix fosters this disconnection from these important parts of what it is to be human. 
um, mind, body, heart, spirit, right? Um, and so we, and we don't learn, we don't learn how to pay attention to each of those areas. And so we become adults who don't know how, I mean, for, for instance, for me being uh, struggling more in that body space, like, um, I never learned how to meal plan. I never learned. I mean, I'm just flying by the seat of my pants when it yeah. comes to eating, um, or exercise too, right? Like I, I'd never learned what it was like to push my body. And so when I feel my heart racing, I start to get, that feels more like anxiety to me. And so it moves me away from wanting to exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, now I am learning, like what you said, it's relational. I am learning to um, reach out to resources, to people um, who can, who know more than me in this area and who yeah. can help me and, um, and finding the right people, the people who, like I said, you showed up with vulnerability and compassion and you were willing to meet me where I was at without shaming me, which I think is also another piece of that comes up in the fitness industry for sure, but in our world, performance and shame. And that does not work. That is the mm-hmm. opposite of grace, which is what we've been talking about really. Yeah. And another, um, you bring up a really good point because there is this thing that's happened over, I don't know, probably the past couple of decades now where young kids are being molded to be professional athletes from like the age of four. Hmm. And it's a ton of pressure. Yeah. And they don't ever get the chance to voice, hey, I'd like to be a kid. Now, granted, there are kids that are like, you know what? I love this. Yeah. I want to play. I'm going to use golf because I was in it and I saw it. I want to play golf. I want you to put me in these tournaments. I want to go here. I want my parents to be a part of it. Like they had a say. Yeah. There are also in certain environments where there's less of a say and it's more of a, you're going to do this. You're going to go here. You're going to go here. And it becomes, that becomes very traumatizing. Yeah. Right. We learn our worth is um, wrapped up in what we can accomplish, what we achieve. Our performance. Yep. And pretty soon when we perform bad. Yep. We're not worthy. I saw so many young golfers. We would get halfway through the round and you would just see them melting because they knew at the end they were going to have to tell... Ugh their parent or whoever that they had a bad round yeah and they were just crushed and you could see it like they would start crying on like hole 11 and I'm like um we still have like an hour and a half of this to go yeah like you still got eight holes left you can do this like let's get it together No, no 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 it's the pressure and it's it's a very real subject yeah and it's it's traumatizing yeah, I mean, it is like it gets to the meaning of life and feeling safe in this world, which is knowing that we're loved and we have value. And a lot of people learn that love and belonging comes from performance. And so when they don't perform, and you think about it in the sports world or athletic world, I mean, our bodies are, yes, we're, I, I'm learning how to take care of my body so I'll be able to do more as I get older. But we've also talked about aging. There isn't an inevitability about aging. I mean, our performance is not going to, as a, I'm 46 now, it's not going to look like it was when I was 16. Correct. Um, that's just what it is to be human. 
And so when your, your sense of um, being worthy and belonging is wrapped up in how you perform and there's this inevitable um, part of like we are we're going to die, we are going to um, slow down, um, that is an existential crisis. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, some people have a really hard time with disconnecting that performance part of their life with the rest of their life. Yeah. It becomes a big connection to their relationships and yes. how they treat other people and how they treat themselves. It, it almost becomes like its own mental illness yes. that needs to be addressed. So when we talk about being more aware of our three big types, yeah. right? there's, I'm going to call it homework yeah. that people can do yeah. when, when they start to feel that those types are getting really out of whack. Yeah. And so for us in the body space, yeah. some of that homework might be slowing down your workouts, taking some time to recover, yeah. um, fix connective tissue, that kind of stuff. What could be some homework that people could do from a heart and mind perspective? Yeah, gosh, so many things. I mean, one great thing would be journaling. Like just, and it doesn't have to, I mean, I even hate to use the term journaling. Just grab a piece of paper, set your timer for five minutes and free write anything that you want. It could be about anything but start practicing connecting to what's happening internally. Um, you could start, if, it, if that feels really hard to you, focus on what you're feeling in your body and start writing that down. We wanna practice looking on the inside. Um, there's a lot of really great journals and um, with prompts that you can get. Um, that could be another place. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I know that Kristen Neff, who does a lot of self-compassion work, she has a workbook. Um, Andy Kolber has a great um, workbook through her book, Try Softer. Um, the Allender Center uh, has a lot of really good uh, workbooks on engaging your story. But um, And then talk to people, find your safe people that you can have these conversations where you can tell people about um, your stories and you can hear other people's stories and realize you're not alone. Um, we need that community. Maybe if you, and if you don't have a lot of those people in your life, they're books, read, read an autobiography. I mean, I, I've done that um, this year. I've been reading a couple autobiographies and it's just, it's really moving to see that how much we have in common as humans. Like we all struggle and we don't always know that other people are struggling too and it can feel very lonely. Um, so all of those things could help. Therapy, obviously, I'm a very big <laughs> component of therapy. Um, so find a counselor. I wish that that was more um, normalized. And it is becoming more normalized, and especially with this younger generation. It is it is becoming more of part of what we consider health care, right? Like yeah. mental health in the past has been uh, what we consider for people with a diagnosis. We don't, But we don't think of that as physical health. I don't have to have a physical diagnosis to tend to my physical health. I mean, I, every human tends to their physical health. We need yes. to talk about mental health that way. So... Um, yeah, so talk to a friend, talk to a therapist, talk to a spiritual advisor, um, but find your people. And uh, I'm studying to be an Enneagram coach. That's there. If your um, you know therapy feels a little bit scary, find a coach of of some sort to help walk you through this. I well. think that's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, Bina, it was an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. Well, it's always a pleasure talking with you, Andrea. Yes. <laughs> so if you want to have a whole bunch of followers on social media, <laughs> what is your profile names? Do you know them off the top of your head? I don't know them off the top of my head, but if you Google Bina Ellison Counseling, um, I think my Instagram, which I'm not really that active on yet, but I will be, um, and I have a, a therapy page through Shelterwood Collective. If you Google my name, that should come up too. You can find out more about me, and it's got my contact information as well. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you, Bina. I hope you have an amazing day. Thank you, Andrea. I will see you yes. in the gym. <laughs>Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ferrum Athletic Company podcast. If you like the show, please leave us a review, share it with your family and friends, share it on your social media platforms. Our mission is to build better humans through the education of health and movement. If this resonates with you, please shoot us an email at forged at ferrumathletico.com. Follow us on social media. Facebook or Instagram at Ferrum Athletico, and we will see you all soon. Thank you for helping us to build better humans.